I'm so glad you've joined us today. My name's Scott. I have the privilege of serving here as lead pastor. We're in a series called The People Jesus Welcomes. And we're working our way in the year of 2023 all the way through the gospel of Luke. And we're in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles out here in just a moment. I want to talk to you today about a propensity, a, a, a tendency that you and I have. And it's our tendency to want to put a, a label on people. We have a labor, labeler at our house. I like to label things because I like to organize things. And so I like to know, you know, this is what this thing is and this is where it belongs. And, and I like that. And uh, it's, that's good and right because what it does is it names the thing and then it tells, you know, where we put that thing. It would not make a lot of sense, though, for me if I went around and I took that labeler and I started to put that onto my children, like, you're a child. You're my wife. You're my dog. You know that's ridiculous, right? That's, that doesn't make any sense. Because, but we do this as people. We, we have a tendency to take what we ought to do for things and do it to people. Because what hap- here's what happens when I label you. When, when I put a label on you, when I've decided what you are like and what your struggle is, then it makes it possible for me to ignore you. Are you, do you, are you tracking with me on when I say that? So we're in this series, and we're talking about the people that Jesus uh, welcomes, and we're asking ourselves the question, okay, so how is it that Jesus treats people? And if that's how Jesus treats people, then we need to do the same thing. Talking to you today about how Jesus treats people that are stained. People that are stained. Uh, have you ever had a piece of clothing that you, uh, that you liked, and you, you got something on it, and then maybe you didn't notice it, maybe you did notice it, but you put it through the cycle in the washing machine, and you know when you put it through the washing machine, if you were to get it out and see the stain, you could maybe treat it again, and then maybe you'd wash it again and get it out. But once you put it into the washing machine, you take it out, and you put it into the dryer. When it comes out of the dryer, you know, like I know, that stain is absolutely set in, and it's not going anywhere. You know, that stain is set in, and so the only option that you have is to throw it out or to cover it up. I had a pair of my, my favorite jeans, and uh, I, mean, right, I mean, right here, if I was wearing the jeans, you wouldn't be able to listen to anything I was saying. All that, you would just stare at it the whole time. You just got that, look at the stain. And that's what we're talking about today, because when, you, when, we, when we label people, when we, we attach a category to people, what we end up doing is we end up creating in that person a stain, and we, we communicate to people, like, all you're good for is to be thrown out or to be covered up. And that's our moment. We're throwing each other out, and we're covering each other up. We're pushing each other to the side. And we need a, a force, we need a power, we need a hope that is stronger and more powerful than the stain. And so we're going to talk about that today. I want to invite you to stand with me, if you would, out of reverence for God's Word. We read the Scriptures aloud every week. Um, it'll be on the screen. You can follow along on the screen as I read aloud. This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, this is the cities around the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee, there came a man full of leprosy. 
And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went out and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he withdrew to a desolate place and prayed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing out of reverence for God's word. This is a man uh, that Luke says was full of leprosy. Luke was a doctor. Um, he made this careful account, what we know as the Gospel of Luke, and he wanted to include all the important details, but he uses a very interesting word choice here. He says this man was full of leprosy. That's, that's an odd way to talk about some sort of physical affliction, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you, normally, uh, you wouldn't say that about anything else. You know, full of colitis. You wouldn't say full of a sinus infection. You would say something like afflicted by or infected with or suffering from. But Dr. Luke, what he tells us is that this man was full of leprosy. Luke's trying to communicate something to us right here. The word that he uses here, full of, it's the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, when he's trying to explain why he came and how he uh, uh, completed and did what was required of the Old Testament because he was a Jewish man and everyone that was a Jew was listening to him was thinking, you have to keep the Old Testament law. And Jesus uses this very a derivative, this same word, and he says, listen, I, I, I didn't come to abolish what the law and the prophets, what we have today is the Old Testament. I didn't come to abolish them. I came to, and he uses this word, I came to fulfill them. That is, to fill them up to the top, to complete them. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Christians in Colossae, one of his letters, the book of Colossians chapter 2, he's trying to describe what happens to a human life when Christ gets into a human life. He says, listen, you have now, and he uses this word, you've now been made it's translated often complete or full of Christ. You're filled to the top with who Jesus is. Your whole identity is expunged and a whole new identity is given to you. And, and there's very positive associations, but here, this is something really negative. Luke is saying that this is a man who is full of leprosy. What's Luke trying to say? He's trying to say, listen, this is somebody who is consumed all the way to the top of his heart, mind, and soul by his stain. There's no part of him that's unaffected by his issue. He's completely consumed mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically. He is full of his condition, leprosy. It's what he thought about when he woke up in the morning. It's the first thought he had. It's what people said about him during the day when he was terrorized by his thoughts about it as he tried to go to sleep at night. This is, this is, here's what Luke's trying to say. This was not a man with leprosy. This was a leprous man. I, I'm not playing with words here. Stay with me. He's trying to say his leprosy was him. He had become his stain. His identity was his stain. Now, you know this. 
You know there are times in life when what has happened to you becomes you. You go through some kind of hurt, and something happens that should not have happened, and you try to get over the hurt. And the more you try to get over the hurt, and the more you you cogitate on the hurt, you stop being a person who was hurt, and you become hurt. You failed. Something didn't work. You, you, You got it wrong. You did it the wrong way. You had the wrong attitude, the wrong motive, the wrong action, and it didn't work. You failed, but you you stay on that, and you Uh, That goes inside of you, and you move from having an experience of failure to feeling like now you are a failure. You become a failure. You got a divorce. It didn't work. You tried. They tried. You didn't communicate right, and if you could go back, you'd change it. But now you've, you've stayed with that, and you've become someone that you think nobody wants. What's happened in all of those kinds of scenarios is you've become full of the thing that happened to you. So what happened to us, here's how that works, right? What happens to us goes through the wash cycle and into the dryer and it gets set in us and so it stains us. And so then we start to think about ourselves differently. We start to think about life differently and we start to think that we're stained by life. This is what Luke's trying to say. This was a man who was full of his stain. Now, I want you to notice what happens next, verse 12. Um, The man sees Jesus, Jesus' reputation for healing people, and it's an interesting response. He falls on his face. I mean, you got to imagine the scene. Here's Jesus, and here's this man, and he falls down on his face. You can just see him getting down on his knees, and he begs him. I mean, the, the, the language is he's just, oh, pleading. And he says, Lord, if you would, you could make me clean. This is a a desperate person. I hope you can see that. I hope you can see him falling down in your mind's eye. And he's begging for someone to do something about his condition. Now, I want to take this a little bit deeper. You got to understand, I, I, I know we don't really wrestle with leprosy in the United States. It's still a disease. It's a, it's a wasting, in and of itself, is a wasting disease so that literally your appendages, um, by virtue of heat or uh, an accident, will, because they waste away, will literally, quite literally, fall off. It's a horrific disease, disfigures a person so that they look terrible. They, they are a living horror when you see them. It's still a disease. You can Google this, not now. Um, you can Google this, and, and you can see images, if you, if you can stomach it, of a person that's covered with leprosy. Not a cure. When, when the scriptures talk about leprosy, they're not always talking specifically about that, though that's certainly a form, it's a reference to all different kinds of skin diseases. And if you were to go back, because this is what the man is referencing, if you were to go back into the Old Testament, into the book of Leviticus in chapters 13 and chapter 14, whenever you had some kind of skin issue, what you had to do is you had to go before the priest because the priest was kind of not only the spiritual leader, but the moral leader and the physical leader of the people of Israel. And, and so the priest would then examine you. And, and if you had this you know lesion on your body and it wasn't going away and it was getting worse and and you were required by the law uh, to go to the priest. And I'd want you to, I want you to hear this in Leviticus chapter 13. And the priest would examine you and tell you all these kind of things. But can you see the last line that's down here? When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him. When he finds what should not be there, he will pronounce him 
What's the word there? Unclean. Now, why? Why Why is that? Why is that law there? Why, what is that? Oh, there's health reasons for that. You could delve into that. But really, the Old Testament laws are interested in our purity, and, and it's a reflection meant to be of the fact that God is pure, and that God is holy, and that God wants people who are holy. And so, codes and laws are, are put in place so that we don't defile ourselves in the Old Testament. Now, we, we do this still today. You know, if we had a, um, without speed limits, you would go however fast you wanted, right? There'd be no, there'd be no, we wouldn't know that in a school zone you should go 20 so you don't hit a child. We, we just, we wouldn't know this. And, and the heart behind all of this is that your heart would be right before God and your heart would be clean before God and that this would then be reflected in your body and so it's a symbol of what, what it is that God wants for you. But here was the problem. Here's the problem. It was a law. And as soon as you put an intention into a law, it, it changes it. I want you to think about speeding, right? That what's, the, what's the motive behind not speeding? It's to protect people. Uh, you know, we live near a school zone, and there it's 20 in the morning, and, and a, an officer sits there, and I'm really grateful for it because I had a time when I wa- almost watched one of my sons get run over by a car by someone who didn't want to drive the 20. It was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. I'm grateful for the fact that there's this law that was put in place that says, hey, we want to protect children. That's the intention, right? The the unintended consequence, though, is that now, because of that law that we've said this is how it ought to go, now we have categories of people. We have speeders, and we have violators, and we have people who don't pay fines, and we have people who are delinquents, and and then if they don't do that enough times, if you know about the court system, if you don't pay those fines enough times, you become a criminal, and you lose your license. And this whole apparatus builds up around the law when, when what we really started out doing is we just wanted something good to happen. And here's the problem is that laws cannot change hearts even if the intention is to change the heart. Here's why. It's because a law in the heart is transformed by whatever happens to be in my heart at that moment. Let me, let me give you an example. If, if my heart is whole and I'm not, I'm not wrestling or struggling with anything, if my heart is whole and, and a law comes to me that's for my good and for my benefit, then I'll receive it for what it is. And I'll go, oh, this is just helping me and, and, and aiding me in my continued transformation. But if, if my heart is hurt, then when I hear that law, I receive it as a lash against my performance. I just can't measure up. Can't ever get it right. Or if my heart is broken, then I, then I receive the law as a weight, and just a, one more weight that's added on to my already heavy life that I'm not sure I can bear. Oh, no, here's one more thing that I just am not even sure I can complete. But, and, and if my heart is rebellious, then the, when I hear that law, I receive it as something to resist. So it's really difficult if you want people to be pure in their heart and in their body, it's really difficult to just say to someone, well, hey, I'm going to create a law that says you have to be pure. This is what the Levitical code was. Be pure. God's pure. Because there are limits to laws, and what laws can only do is they measure conformity, not transformation. And, and what the law does, it points to an intended state, but it has no power to create it. Are you, are you tracking with me? So here's what happens. So when, when a law is created that, that against impurity, which is what Leviticus 13 and 14 is, anyone who's currently impure becomes a pariah. 
they end up wearing a label and that label becomes an identity and when that label becomes an identity you have a stain and you don't know how to get it out so I want you to make sure you're not missing what this man is actually asking Jesus when he says to him, Lord, you can make me clean. What, what's he really asking? See, leprosy is, is more of a social disease than a biological disease. What do I mean by that? Well, what hurts worse? The condition or rejection? Right? Because if, if I have the condition and you still welcome me, then my condition's bearable. But if it's rejection, that turns the condition into a stain. Now, I want you to, again, we're going to Leviticus chapter 13. I want you to hear all this. This is, this is what we're, you're supposed to do in, in according to the Levitical law about the Old Testament law. I'm going to read the whole thing to you. It's going to be on the screen. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes. So you get to throw away your, you get to throw away your, your pants, your... <laughs> And, and you just have to look bad. You have to let the hair of your head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. So everywhere you go, you're announcing to people your label. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He's unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, I just want, I'm, stay with me here. Can you hear this man? in front of Jesus, on his face, with an incurable disease that forces him to be away from everyone, to suffer complete rejection, begging to be made clean. You need to see this. You need to feel it. Listen, he's not so much asking to be clean as he's asking if he could be included. And I wonder, do you know what that's like? Have you ever been in a moment where you're like, oh, if you knew, you would reject me, but could you just include me? Could I count? Now, this is, a, this is a crux moment here because this is what we find out. This is the moment where we find out what Jesus is like and how it is that Jesus treats people because when you go back to Leviticus 13 and 14, when you would present yourself to the priest, it's very interesting, Luke chapter, Leviticus chapter 13, verse 18. The priest, this, is, this, is the, this was the prescription of the priest. The priest shall look. How do you look? From a distance. Without touching, oh, that's nasty. Stay away. I, when you look, you can maintain your purity while looking on someone else's impurity. I can hold me apart as holy while I watch you suffer. Now, am I saying all priests are bad? No, I'm saying all priests are human because that's what we do. Well, I, I don't want to just look. Now, what does Jesus do? Do you know what Jesus does? Luke chapter 5, verse 13, it's on the screen. And Jesus, say it with me, would you? Let's put it up here, guys, would you? It's coming. Oh, nope, not there. It's coming. Luke chapter 5, verse 13. Uh, okay, I'm going to read it to you because it's not on the screen. You can kind of see it, but here we go. Ready? Oh, 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 oh. Back and forth. Just keep that there, would you, Justin? And Jesus, verse 13, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Are you registering that? This is somebody different. Saying, I will be clean, immediately the leprosy left him. Listen, people who know their stain are desperate for someone to touch them. Did you know when you have a baby that if you don't touch the baby, uh, the baby can actually not survive? It's called a failure to thrive. The baby literally needs human touch. 
It's one of the ways you communicate that the baby's safe and that the baby's wanted and the baby feels secure. And, and it literally, human touch transfers care and emotion in a physical way to the baby. I, I think that's true of people. I, I, I get what, you know, it's true, just true of people, right? People that aren't touched, that are labeled and stained, they're, they're, it's a failure to thrive. I, I'm telling you, I, I love to hug people because I'm, I'm kind of a toucher, but I also do it because I know that for some people, when they come into this room on a Sunday, this might be the only time someone touches them in a kind and loving way. And so Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. And then notice what it says. And immediately the leprosy left him. The word there left him, if you were here two weeks ago, we talked about the demonic. It's the same word for being freed from, the demo- from a demonic grip. Now listen, I'm going to say something to you. It is demonic to label people. You don't agree with them politically, and so you label them, guess what? That's demonic. You don't like something that they do. You don't like some category that they have. And maybe they're completely wrong. And maybe they're 100% in the wrong. And you label them. And you go, they're those people. That is demonic. When you exclude people because of their stain, you are doing the devil's work. Now, why in the world am I telling you all of this? Why are we doing this series? I got two, two reasons. And then we're going to have an opportunity for you to have someone pray for you if you'd like. Number one, because your stain may have caused people to stay away. And you walked in today, and, uh, and you really don't want people to know. Some people know. Some people know what you've been through. Some people have categorized you. You may have been out of church for a long time, and you came back to church. And one of the reasons you left church is because people gave you a label. They, they labeled you. They're like, you're this person. You'll always be that person. You'll never be that person. I, one of my dear friends, he uh, went to college. And uh, when he went to college, he just kind of made a wreck of things. And it's a very long story, but he made a wreck of things. He came back home, and uh, a lady who he'd grown up with walked up to him without saying his name and smacked him across the face. What was she communicating? You have a stain, and how dare you? And maybe you had that kind of a thing, but I just want you to tell you, if, 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 you're, if you, what you have been through has kept people away, I just want you to hear today, it has not kept Jesus away. Because <laughs> Jesus is not like you and me. <laughs> Jesus is not like the people you and I know. We human beings, we create codes, and, and whoever keeps our code, we let in, and whoever doesn't, we keep out, and we label them, and we make them live outside our camp. I'm just going to tell you that is not the way of Jesus. Jesus' most famous teaching is in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount, and it starts with a very famous section called the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the, the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if you have read that in any detail and you've thought about that in any detail, you recognize that what Jesus is saying is, listen, these are categories of people that we normally would not say about them. They're blessed. There are people who are disadvantaged. There are people who are hurting. There are people who are suffering. There are people who don't know how to fix things in the world and want to fix things in the world. And Jesus is not saying, listen, that, that excludes you. He's saying, your category does not exclude you from God. You are, you are welcomed in my kingdom. You, are, you can be blessed in my kingdom. And, and now you are blessed. Why, that's why what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, let me tell you, I am different. <laughs> and in my kingdom, the people who are outside are welcomed in. So if, if that's you today, I just, I need you to hear that. But the second thing is for all of us. And, and the second reason I'm, I'm telling you this today, I'm telling you this today is because this is a call 
for us as a local church. The church is, and one of the metaphors of the New Testament, is the body of Christ, meaning that we continue the ministry of Jesus in the world. So we're the, we're the ears of Jesus, we're the feet of Jesus, we're the eyes of Jesus, we're the kidneys of Jesus filtering things out. And that means that we are the hands of Jesus. So we touch people who no one wants to mess with. Are you you hearing what I'm saying? And we have to return again and again to say, this is what the church is supposed to be about. Now, I I think there are two ways that churches tend to to take the the ministry of Jesus and apply it. And I don't want to explain them to you. One, One I call a presence church. The other I call a purity church. This is what a presence church is like got a little graphic for you here, right? It's like, here, here's, here's what Jesus is about, is Jesus is about his presence with people. It's what I've just been saying to you. And, and so this is, we want to be in a church where people are welcomed and they're loved and they're accepted. And, and, and I, I just guess I, some people wrestle with this because they think, well, if you, if you accept people, then, then maybe they won't change. And, and I just want to say, do you, do you want to be a church in a, a church where this is not the case? Do you, do you want to be in a church where people are not welcomed and it's the it's a holy club, and it's the frozen chosen, and it's us four and no more. I mean, do you really want to be a part of that? So we want to be a presence church, right? On the one hand, we want to do it. But then some, some churches would struggle, or some folks in churches struggle, and they, and they say, well, no, we need to be a purity church. And, and this is where, in a purity church, where you're cleansed, and where you're trans, transformed, and your sin is removed, and your morality has changed. You're strengthened on the inside. And I guess I just would ask the same question. Is, do, do you really want to be a char- part of a church where this isn't the case? Where, where nobody ever changes? Where everybody stays struggling uh, with the same version of themselves forever? Where life is not transformed? Where your goodness quotient doesn't go up and your values aren't rearranged? Like You, you don't want to be a part of a church like that either. But this is you and me. We don't see how the two of those can merge. We're like, we got to pick one. And here's what I'm trying to say to you. Jesus is full presence and full purity all at the same time. Jesus is a presence that is fully pure and a purity that is fully present. And so Jesus welcomes the person and changes the person. Are you, are you, are you hearing me? So that means as a church, we have to have radical acceptance of people. I'm going to use a word that's a buzzword. I don't mean it the buzzword way. I mean it the Jesus way. We have to be radically inclusive So when you come in with what you have, we accept you full stop. Full stop, that's it. And at the same time, we are for the radical change that Jesus works in a person's life. And so there can be radical transformation in your life. And your stain can be removed and you can be a different person. So you've got to be that kind of church. It's presence and purity because that's what Jesus did. That's how Jesus treated people who had a stain. I'm going to ask some folks who've been doing this the last several weeks, and um, there have been some folks down front, and I'm going to ask them to go ahead and come down now if they would and take a place. And if you would like someone to pray with you about anything in your life, maybe this is a, maybe there is a stain. And it has been uh, through the washing machine and through the dryer, and then you've tried to put it in the washing machine again and in the dryer again, and it's just... It's like not going anywhere. And you would like someone to pray for you because you you need what that man did. You you need that stain immediately to leave. (laughs) 
And these folks would love to anoint you with oils, a symbol of the presence of God's Holy Spirit with you, and pray for your freedom and your deliverance. You may want to just come and kneel at an altar. You, maybe, maybe you've been around church things for a long time, and you know a lot. You know a lot of, you know a lot of Bible. You know a lot of theology. And, and maybe you are having an awareness. You know what? I've got some categories of people that I've just kept out. And I, I, need, to, I need to get that right in my heart because that doesn't represent Jesus. And you, you could have them pray for you. You could kneel at the altar, whatever it is that you wanted to do. But we want this to be a time where you can experience some healing. And so I invite you to stand with me, would you? Let me pray for you, and then um, they'll, they'll sing, and as they sing, you're welcome to come. And, and we're going to, um, we did this last week a little bit, and then a week before, and we're going to end differently. It's just this kind of a time of, of prayer and, and ministry and help. And um, so when we're done singing, you're welcome to exit when you're ready to do that. Just would invite you, if you'd like, to stay and sit in the seats and pray, if you'd like to do that. But just honor the atmosphere in the room. Let me pray for you. Lord, um, if we're honest, all of us know what it's like to have a stain. We all know the sting of rejection. We all know what it feels like to be judged for our condition unfairly. So God, first we come to you and say thank you that you're different. You don't just look from a distance. You reach out and touch us. So thank you. I pray for my friend today who needs healing. You need your healing touch. Give them the courage to come forward. Let someone pray for them and minister to them. Lord, I pray for my friend who uh, they know a lot about all of this and uh, there are still lodged in their mind and heart categories of people that are unacceptable. And Lord, I pray you'd drive that out with your love today. So Lord, we need your Holy Spirit and so we we invite you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Minister to us now as we sing. We pray this in your name.